0: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that you would uh, fill the horizons of our lives with the wonderful plans you have for this world and for us and for our church in the Lord Jesus. Give us humble hearts to receive it, hearts willing to be changed by this word. We pray this for your glory's sake. Amen. It's well worth having Ephesians chapter 4 open there. We'll be focusing from verse 17 onwards. But as we begin... Hear this from Ephesians 4, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. In light of every spiritual blessing showered upon you in Jesus Christ, Paul says, in light of the calling we have to live as his church under Jesus Christ. Walk on, says Paul, worthy of the calling, worthy of the purposes and plans God has for us. Christian, here is your purpose, here is our job description as a a church, to walk worthy of the calling of being the church under Jesus Christ. Walk in a manner worthy, that's our goal, that's our job. It's a timely call to receive, isn't it, in this COVID season. So much has changed for each of us, even in just these few weeks when we have been restricted in so many different ways. But it's been long enough that our current patterns of life have become for us the new normal. And perhaps you're making plans for aspects of that new normal, aspects of your new routines and patterns of life to, to remia- remain beyond this season, to become part of, well, the way you do life. How hard it will be not to just revert to old patterns and to the old normal if normal life does resume in some sense. Now, how can we avoid that? How can we take with us the sort of things that we would like to take into the season beyond this one? Now, I ask this, because I think this season gives us a chance to take very deliberate steps to honor the call that we hear in in Ephesians 4 verse one, to walk in the way that God has purposed us to walk, not just individually, but together as a church, to leave the old behind as we're told in 4 verse 22, to to live as new people by grace through faith in Jesus uh, who walk a whole new way through this world. Now, what's the secret? What's the secret to living the new normal together as a church? The key that we're going to see in Ephesians 4, the second half of Ephesians 4, is is seeing what motivates and what drives the steps that we take as we walk in this world. We're going to see that if we're not clear on seeing the driver for the way we walk and the way we live in this world, then even good intentions to walk in new ways are going to fail. But if we are clear, if we can see what drives the way we walk, then there is for us real opportunity for real change in this season and whatever follows. Uh, This week, we're gonna look at what drives our steps so that in future weeks, as we look at significant practical steps, uh, steps in our speech life, in our family life, in our working life and in other areas, we'll be able to better understand what it would take to step in the ways that we're instructed there. Ephesians 4, let's see together what drives the steps of, well, two different paths really that are laid out for us. A a life walked separated from God and a life walked with God. Uh, Let's first from verse 17 see a life walked separated from God. What drives that life, that walk? Verse 17, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, says the Apostle Paul. Now here he uses the word Gentiles uh, really as uh, a a symbol word for being a non-believer, someone who is not connected to God, a a non-Christian. In chapter two, he described the same group of people as those who are living without God. Here in uh, chapter four, verse 18, he describes them as separated from God. The assessment of a life without God, well, it's very stark. Do you see it there from verse 17 onwards? You must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of hearts. I mean, what do you make of that description? It's, it's quite stark, isn't it? Uh, quite bold, really. I mean, how are we meant to respond? Well, Well, firstly, remember this. Remember that the path described there is the path that each one of us has walked at one time. Uh, Remember what we saw back in chapter two, verse one. Uh, Speaking of all of us, it said this, As for you, you were dead in your sins, in which you used to walk. When, When you followed the ways of the world, all of us, it says there in chapter two, uh, there's no ground for boasting as we see the path walk separated from God. Uh, as we read on, actually back in chapter 2, verse 8, we're told it's only by grace that we've been saved from that path through faith. And we're told there that it's not from us. It's a gift from God. So that there's no ground for boasting. The walk described in chapter 4, verses 17 to 19 is a walk of, well, all humanity. Many in this world still walk the path. Some do not, but it is only by grace. And so what drives a walk where one would live life in this world separated from God? Why would someone choose to walk separated from God? Well, for those uh, perhaps listening as we look at this together who would describe that of their own lives, I, I live life separated from God, disconnected from God. I'm sure you have a rational answer, a reason considered, Uh, view on that but let's look together as God's word reveals what drives someone to walk through life that way it has to do with understanding do you see there in verse 18 it has to do with ignorance now again that sounds arrogant doesn't it Uh, but look closely we're told why such a person is ignorant of God and in the end, it's not to do with the fact that God is hiding and hard to be found or understood. It's not to do with a lack of information or a lack of education. Uh, such a person, we're told in verse 18, is separated from God because do you see it there because of a hard heart. And here God lays down, I think, a significant challenge to the, the classic retort of the rational mind when it comes to the things of God. Uh, Since the 18th century Age of Enlightenment, there was the claim that humans are rational creatures, that we can understand reality through our minds, we can be rational about it, that we can work out what matters in the world through our rationality. But let me suggest to you that that does not bear up to reality or to history. Although we are, or at least some of you are very clever, It is, we're told here in verses 17, our futile cleverness. we don't in the end, in our rationality as humans, know the way to keep peace, history shows us that. We don't in the end know the way to consistently love without failing to do that. Uh, Even our toilet paper buying habits show us that. We don't ultimately know from our rationality why we are alive. Verse 18 says, it is because our mind is in the end, godless, separated from God, who is the author of life. And so it's not a surprise that we can't grasp those things, but our separation from him in our minds is a deliberate one. It is because we're told here, verse 18, because our hearts are hard towards him. You know, by the 19th century, the myth of the enlightenment that our behavior was formed purely by our rational mind, by our thinking, was exposed by, well, to be honest, committed atheists exposed it. Uh, the likes of Marx in the world of economics, the, the likes of Freud in the world of psychoanalysis. Reason, they discovered, was not the sole driver for how I live and decide and act and walk through this world. A whole range of desires of the heart, powerful desires of the heart, shape the way I think and the way I act. Verse 18 we're told that a denial of God is not just a rational decision, but it is a willful rebellion of a hard heart. It's not so much that I can't know God when I live that way, it's that I won't know him. And the path of living that way is marked by certain steps. Do you see them there from verse 19? Having lost all sensitivity... They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Uh, it's important as you see that description in verse 19, which is again, a stark description of humanity walking without God. Uh, It's not a 24 hour process it's describing there. It's a path uh, over a lifetime. In fact, it's the path of human history over generations. God says to us in verse 19, look over time, see the path, see the steps that push further and further away from me. See the fault lines of decades of destructive changes that humanity has made. And of course, verse 19 does not mean that everyone is as bad as we could be, but it's a direction of travel. Living in God's world, but ultimately living for myself. Paul says walk that path and over time you will, verse 19, you'll grow desensitized to the fact that you're walking away from God. One of the things that struck me about this COVID season is uh, one of the reported symptoms of those who test positive to, to COVID is the loss completely of any sense of taste or smell. They, they lose those senses. They, they can't appreciate any difference. They can't see change over time. And we're told here that ignoring God, deliberately ignoring him by a hard heart will lead to the same thing. You'll feel nothing. Ignoring God in his world and yet feeling nothing of that. Hard hearts with, we're told here, a continual lust for more. And that shouldn't surprise us. In fact, it inevitably comes when you cut yourself off from the one the Bible tells us that we were meant to find our satisfaction in. It shouldn't surprise us that when we separate from him, we will always want for more because we will never be full. It is like the Old Testament describes. It's like trying to drink from broken cisterns. There's the Bible's picture of life without God, a hard heart walking away from him. Here's the second path uh, that's shown to us uh, from uh, verse 20 onwards. Well, really from verse 25 onwards, really to the end of chapter six, we have a series of specific steps that a life walking with God is meant to take steps to do with our speech life, our family lives, our marriages, our our parenting, you name it, it's it's all in there. But to understand those things before we get to them in the following weeks, you you have to see what will drive us to step in those directions. It is a life powered, not by us, but as we've seen all the way through Ephesians, by God's grace. Uh, Back in chapter 2, Verse 10, we were told that uh, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to walk the steps that He has prepared in advance for us to walk. This is about His grace, not our ability. It's a walk that comes from, do you see it there in verse 21? It comes from our minds and hearts hearing about Christ, learning Jesus is what the verse literally says. That that's what drives these steps So being taught the truth about Jesus. Do you notice in verse 21 that the Apostle Paul uh, interchanges Jesus' name with his title, Christ, uh, and uh, that's really powerful, I think, because what it's telling us is that learning the Christian gospel is not ultimately just about learning information and facts. It's, it's about meeting the person of Jesus, learning Jesus. That's what powers these steps. It reminds me of a testimony we heard as a church family just a few weeks ago of someone who had recently become a Christian. Let me quote from the testimony. This man said of his uh, decision to become a Christian, he said this. It wasn't new information to me, but I made a prayer that God reveal himself to me as I read the Bible. I'm not sure if I'd ever read the Bible with an open heart before, and I had an experience with the person of Jesus as I read. Do you see that he learned Jesus? As we're taught about the historical Jesus and we look at his life and hear his word, God promises by his spirit to work in us, and we begin to see that the news about Jesus that the Bible speaks of is in fact good news for us. Uh, the French mathematician uh, Pascal wrote on the night he himself learnt of Jesus for the first time, a note that he then sewed into his coat pocket that he took with him everywhere. They found it on him when, when he died many years later. Now, this is what the note read. Year, the year of 1654, Monday 23 November, from about half past 10 at night to half past midnight, fire, said Pascal, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers, not of scholars, but certitude, heartfelt joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, my God, joy, 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 Jesus. You can see the the emotion bubbling over for Pascal as he's heard the truth about Jesus, as he learned about the person of Jesus and saw who he was. That's what we're told here in verse 21. That's what begins the path of walking with God. You see Jesus for who he is, not just a man from history, Not just this carpenter from Nazareth, but this carpenter from Nazareth is in fact our God. He is our King. And so we hand over control to him. That's what a life walk with God is all about. It's saying, you lead us, please. It's a story of, well, not 24 hours. It's a story of one step leading to another step to another over a lifetime. Things change step by step before I ignored God as king, that was a life walked without him. Now I start to respond to his voice as he speaks to me in the Bible. We believe the truth and not the lie as old as the Garden of Eden. We see he is God and that he is good and that I can trust him. We ask him to forgive us for ignoring him, which is what the Bible calls repentance, which is a word that really means changing our minds. And as we change our minds, it starts to change the direction in which we walk. You see that in verse 22? You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful nature, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on your new self, created to be like God. When someone believes the gospel, there is a change of life. They put off the old self, the self that ignored God and said no to God. They put on a new self that begins to live the life we were created for. Change will be the new normal as we learn of Christ and obey his word. Christian change comes from a heart and mind learning Christ and submitting to him. As our mind is renewed, we're told here, it starts to bring change in, in all sorts of things. And, and uh, we see them from verse 25 onwards. These are the things I want to encourage you to scu- discuss together in your small groups. Do you see the change, change in our, our attitude to honesty, verse 25, uh, change in our habits with anger, verse 26, change, verse 28, to the way we work and, and view our possessions Change verse 29 again to the way we speak and we'll think more about that next week. Verse uh, verse 31, change to relationships we find difficult. Key in all of these changes is that the Christian life is distinct, not just in what we do, but why we do it. The reasons behind these changes are gospel reasons, not arbitrary. Each step outlined in the coming chapters, really to the end of this book in chapter six, has a gospel reason behind it. And as we finish, I I want to illustrate that so that we head into the second half of this letter, seeing that. I want to give you a couple of examples from our passage. Here's the first. Have a look at verse 25, the whole issue of being honest. Why, Why should we tell the truth to each other? Is it because, well, that's what good people do, they, they tell the truth? Or, or perhaps it's because, well, in the end, you're going to get caught out if you lie, so you may as well tell the truth. Well, th- those things are true, but it's not the reason given here. Do you see the gospel driver behind it? Verse 25, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we are members of one body. It's because of faith in Jesus has united us into one body, that's who we are as a church. Uh, We tell the truth to each other as a church because we're not actually competing with each other. We're working for each other's good. When I lie, it's well in the end to protect myself, isn't it? It seems the best way to guard my own interest and to get out of that tricky situation. But when I see that we're one body because of Jesus, to care for myself, I have to care for you. The more I learn the difference Jesus makes, the more I can step forward into that sort of change and to speak truthfully. I can start to tell the truth, not because of some moral code. That's not gonna have any power for me. It is because the gospel of Jesus makes me secure to change the way I speak. let me give you one final example. Have a look at verse 31, uh, how it changes difficult relationships we experience as a church family, we will face difficult relationships as any family does. How do you cope with difficult relationships? Do you avoid them? Do you grow bitter, feeling that you've been wronged by others? How does the gospel of Jesus Christ change the steps that we take in those moments? Well, look at verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It's a gospel reason, isn't it? My steps begin by saying God has forgiven us and brought us into a family together by remembering that we are together his dearly loved children, as he says in verse 1 of chapter 5. We live together in God's house now. He sets sets the tone of the house, and so we must learn of Jesus. We must see how he handles tricky relationships. (laughs) He doesn't avoid them, does he? He faces them. He, chapter 5, verse 2, gives himself up for others as he did for you. So we say to Jesus when it comes to difficult relationships, you lead on and I'll follow your footsteps. Change will only come for us as we commit ourselves to hearing about Christ, being taught the truth about Jesus, learning Jesus together. And as I finish, uh, let me say that if you are someone who is listening to this sermon and you would say of your life that you are currently walking life without God, let me ask you, are you prepared to learn of him again with an open heart? Come and meet the person of Jesus. See if he is not good news. And for the church family, as we walk together with God Let me ask you, how do you think we can help each other with this? How can we help each other get to know Jesus better, to trust him more, to be taught of Christ, to to hear his word of truth? Let that be the new normal of our church family, whatever happens after this season, individually and together, that we want to teach each other Christ. But let me also say this as we finish. Change comes within the security of the gospel i suspect when we hear calls to change from the bible like we'll have in the coming weeks uh, we'll we'll hear them with different temperaments some of us will say i can see i'm changing and i'm excited by that and i'm encouraged by that and if that's you fantastic others will worry you know i want to change but what if i don't Or what if change is really slow or patchy or back and forward well to you i say listen again to the truth about jesus Real change is inevitable for Christians. If you are bound to him by faith, that is Jesus. Paul insists on change here. He insists on it. It's not an option. He insists on change, 417. But he does so to those he describes like this. As members of one body, you need to remember you already belong to Christ, as he calls for this change. As, As recipients of the Holy Spirit, God is already in you as those who have already been forgiven, as those who are already God's dearly loved children. That's who you are as this call for change comes. So let me encourage you to walk on learning of Jesus. Learn from your heavenly father who is utterly committed to changing you. Let's pray together. Heavenly father, we thank you for your very great purposes for us in the Lord Jesus. We simply ask that you would show us Christ that we would learn of him and be changed by him. In his name we pray. Amen.